Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my first ever hosted podcast. I am Ted King. I am the host of the show. I am really excited that you took the time to be here. I thank you for downloading. I thank you for hitting play. I thank you for doing whatever it is it took for you to be here. So thank you very much. Um, Today we're going to sit down with Miguel Crawford. Miguel is something of a visionary. He's something of a legend. Um, I'm proud to call Miguel a friend. He, he, 20 years ago, brought together road riding, mountain bike riding, and gravel riding in this super cool series called the Grasshopper Adventure Series, which, yeah, we think about that con- in contemporary terms, and yeah, you got the backing of the entire industry to take road bikes off-road and mountain bikes a little bit here, there, and everywhere, but Miguel did that 20 years ago, which is incredibly foresightful. Miguel's awesome. We have a really cool conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, a little front-end clerical work. What is the name of this podcast? I, I bumbled through it in the beginning of the talk with Miguel. Um, I, was, I was initially going to call it Ted's Talk, Ted's Possessive, because it's my talk. However... I didn't want to get any litigiousness or or ruffle any feathers in maybe if there was another podcast of a similar name. So we skipped over that. King of the Road, you know, kind of like that. And then I wanted to toy with Road, King of the R-O-D-E, because I rode my bike. But eh, not a huge fan there either. So welcome to Ted, King of the Ride podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about, much like the grasshopper, we're going to talk about all things on two wheels. We're going to talk about road riding, mountain bike riding, gravel riding. I still have quite a few friends uh, racing in the sports. We're going to talk with them. We're going to talk to current racers, former teammates, uh, industry leaders. We got sponsors in the docket. We got race promoters. We got everybody related to the sport of cycling. If you're interested in having me talk to anybody, please reach out. I'm available at I am Ted King on virtually all social media. Shoot me a comment. Say whatever the heck you want me to say. Nope. Suggest the people you'd like me to talk to, and hopefully I can say my own thing. And we'll go from there. Um, what is going on this week? Well, I just wrapped up watching the second time trial of the Giro. I've never been so glued to a time trial in a grand tour as I was today. Um, Rohan Dennis put in a smashing time. He he's on the four year four year grand tour plan. He's he had a great first week. He you know stumbled a little bit in the second week, and he put together just an incredible performance today. Won the TT. Not a huge surprise, but anytime you take down Tony Martin in a TT, you know you're moving pretty quick. Um, Tom Dumoulin, Demoulin. Tom obviously rode super strong. There were a lot of people thinking that he was going to take the pink jersey off the shoulders of Simon Yates, Yatesy. Uh, but man, talk about an incredible performance. Simon Yates absolutely smashed the time trial for, for a dude who's been going uphill prolifically. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people were expecting his performance today. So, you know, hats off to him. He rode awesome. We got three really hard mountain stages coming up. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the race shakes out. It has been fascinating. I've loved staying, staying apprised of, you know, Michael Woods. Woods, North America, keeping it strong. He's going on the attack. He's attacking like a runner, meaning he's up on the pedals, standing up, and just putting in incredible performance. He's, he's been my favorite rider of the, uh, of the Grand Tour of the Giro. 
I'm coming off a pretty busy week. Uh, feels like a, a lifetime ago, but I guess it was just 10 days ago. We were at the Velocio Athlete Summit. That was up in Mammoth, California, um, taking place the first weekend of the Tour of California. That brought together Velocio cyclists from all over the West. Um, it was a super cool event, really fun people, awesome camaraderie, riding some incredible high eastern Sierra mountains. Uh, if you get the chance to ride to the Sierras, by all means do it. It is incredible. It's almost unworldly. You're, you're riding in the desert. You're riding in altitude. It's snowing. It's sunny. The place is awesome. Mammoth Lakes, California. Check it out. Um, then Tour of California happened. An interesting race. I think it was uh, sprint heavy. Um, you know, a lot of people were surprised that Peter didn't win a single stage. I think that's his first tour of California that he didn't win a stage. Um, he was always up there. He was always, you know, having a good time. I think come July, we're going to see a really cool battle between him and Gaviria for that green Jersey. Um, I mean, Gaviria is absolutely flying. Dude's got wheels and Peter, of course, knows how to get himself into the opportune breakaways and still be up there in the sprints. That's going to be an awesome race. Um, yeah, we were up on, on Kingsbury summit on the pen up penultimate day, uh, slinging untapped. That was super cool. Put out a tent, gave some maple syrup to Alex Howes, Daniel Oss, Johnny Clark, Gregory Rass, Keel Reinen. It was super cool. We fed it to the women's race. We fed it to the men's race. It was, it was a really cool event to be at. Um, the on sunday we had the world bicycle joao sorry world bicycle relief joao and friends ride that was here in mill valley california um impressive feat we have with with both ingamba and joao and friends raised over a million dollars for world bicycle relief which is absolutely incredible um they've recently launched their 400,000th bike um which is to say these these are bikes that are being given to people in need in uh often sub-saharan africa they're bikes that go out into the field and they allow nurses to go to work they allow students to go to school they allow workers to to you know spread their wings and just do really great things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do because of the distance being the greatest inhibitor um these bikes are awesome it's a great organization world bicycle relief by all means look that one up if you don't know about it already and then backtracking in a little Quentin Tarantino format, the day before that was the King Ridge Dirt Supreme, the penultimate, or I should say the ultimate grasshopper of the year. I say penultimate because there are two more new events to the calendar on the Grasshopper Adventure Series. Um, we have Mendo Hopper coming up in August, but then King Ridge Dirt Supreme was yesterday. That was my final tune-up for Dirty Kanza, taking place June 2nd. Uh, the race went well. Um, I may have ended up on the top step. That was super cool. Anyway, we're going to talk to Miguel Crawford right here, right now, about the King Ridge Dirt Supreme and all things Grasshopper. Again, if you have any questions, shoot them my way. I am Ted King on all the social media. Probably Instagram's the easiest. Twitter's really great, too. Or just Ted King on Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Miguel Crawford, welcome to the first ever Ted's Talk podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, this is very cool. Uh, 
So setting the scene, we are in your, what do you call this? Your bike room, your bike garage. It's a shop slash barn. Shop barn. Um, as as this is my first time in it, uh, I see some resemblances of a barn, but it's almost like a museum. I mean, we have, what, 15, 20 bikes here of all ages and varieties. Um, Couple, couple desks, a lot of tools, a lot of water bottles. You got, I think you got it all right here. Yeah. Well, for, as far as the bikes, I've, I've never been good at getting rid of bikes that I'm sentimental about. So I still have all the old bikes that I've raced on. The st- no, not not that Skip Link Schwinn. That's I'm not that old. Yeah. But uh, you know my Ibis and Salsa. So I've always kept those bikes. So they're still hanging in very degrees of functioning. And uh, used to collect old bikes and like to fix them up. And now they're just kind of sitting. I no longer do that. Nice. Well, um, yeah, this is a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to talk with you. Um, I was thinking that I could, I could go back on my calendar over the past 10 years of my life and figure out how many grasshoppers that I've been to and then therefore figure out how many times you and I have actually hung out. And it wasn't until, uh, oh, what, two weeks ago when we went to the Mountain Bike Hall of Fame and you were doing a 20 years of grasshoppers that that was the first time we hung out outside of the setting of a bike race. So, to me, you're something of a Clark Kent. You are a Spanish teacher by day, and rather than Superman at night, you are a, the host and creator of what I consider the coolest series of bike events that uh, I have ever experienced in the Grasshoppers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think largely we're going to talk about the Grasshoppers. Um, you know, I listened to 20, 20 years of it. What's the I realize you could talk about this for 20 more years. What's the genesis? What's the story? Well, first of all, thank you. I mean, that's a very, very lofty, lofty compliment. Um, I think one of the reasons that have allowed me to keep the hoppers pure, for lack of a better word, is because of my teaching. And so that's where most of my mental energy is. And it's, and it's, a, big, and it's a big task. And so cycling always has, has to be something for me that's just, that fuels the stoke for lack of a better term whether that's by myself with a couple group a couple friends or a weekend trip or a week-long trip before kids i used to do that a lot um mm-hmm. so anyways thank you for thank you for, for for saying so about the event and let me uh also set the scene um you know i spent a decent amount of time on the internet trying to figure out how to describe what they are i mean i would have my own terms but then i went straight to the source where it reads, are grasshoppers races? No. Are they harder than races? Usually. It depends. Although I've offered up an iron spike, which is an award. It's not about winning, but more about bicycle diversity, artistry and movement, and above all else, personal challenge, perseverance, and sufficiency and competence. Their eyes were born from my love of riding and creating the perfect combination of road and dirt to challenge per- person and machine. The endless hours spent flipping the pages of the Northern California Gazetteer hiking remote drainages in West Sonoma County, exploring abandoned ro- railroad corridors in Austin Creek, and carrying my bike over long, unrideable hillsides to connect one park or another. This is the birth of the hoppers. Nailed it. All right. Well, that's been nice. Thank you for, the, for having me on your show. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. That is all. Good night. Uh, how about, okay, first things first, the name, Grasshoppers. Go. Ah, uh, yes, Grasshopper. So... That has two layers to it. The first, uh, the way I was given that name was when uh, 
I was in my early 20s. Uh, I'd spent uh, the summer teaching an environmental ed camp at Ocean Song, which is now one of our finishes out there on Coleman Valley Road, beautiful spot. And uh, when that ended, they invited me just to kind of stay there. And so I kept camping on the land and uh, fall came and then winter came and I had to move from sleeping outdoors to in a tent. And and then a big winter came and I was still in my tent as <laughs> I was going back to Sonoma State. And uh, so my friend in town, he said, hey, how do you say the word grasshopper in Spanish? So I told him Chapulín. Yeah. Uh, because of the story of the ant and the grasshopper, I was clearly the one who was not being prepared for the winter. <laughs> but when he said grasshopper, then what that rang in my head was I'd always been a fan of the grasshopper in the Kung Fu series, the David, sure. David Carradine. And so Yuri and I really twisted that one over time, and we both have loved the quotes, and he wrote a piece about that. So those are the two pieces, the ant and the grasshopper and uh, Kung Fu. Brilliant. That's rad. Um, so yeah, 20 years, I mean... As I noticed in that slideshow at the Mountain Bike Hall of Fame, you know, you have 20 years of flyers, you have 20 years of this event. I mean, it's sort of hackneyed, the term epic and gravel now these days. And, you know, you, you planted these, these events in multi-surface terrain on the map two decades ago. I mean, you were pointing your bike off-road to do things that there's an entire industry uh, focused on, whether it's, you know, bigger clearances or road bikes with shocks or uh, what we saw at Sea Otter, a full suspension gravel bike. I mean, it's almost jumping a shark. Well, it's coming back, exactly. And it's really cycling back to a hardtail 29er mountain bike. I mean, you're only, you can only split in between these things so much and eventually it, it gets back to that. It's about riding bikes and about exploration. And, and, you know, when there's an event, then let the riders decide what the best bikes to ride. And if they, another bike is needed, then I think maybe it'll get created. Like the snow bike. I mean, there was no mm -hmm. reason to have a snow bike until someone found one that actually worked on the snow. So, Sure. No, it's definitely an N plus one yeah. scenario. Yeah. Um, so I, did, I vividly remember my first. It was 2008. I was racing with Bissell at the time. Um, and I was back. I was out on the West Coast, California, chasing good weather. Uh, I think relatively early season. And... Uh, I remember going to this thing that someone had told me about and they said, you know, you pay 20 bucks and you do this training ride. And I thought to myself, you know, paying $20 for a training ride sounds goofy and about $20 too expensive. If I want to go train hard, <laughs> I can go do that on my own. Turns out, end of the day, that was the best $20 I've put into the sport of cycling outside of every other registration fee. Was that, that I, with Jeremy on, on his team or was that later when you came? Venel, yeah. So yeah. Jeremy Venel came, he, he lived out. there the next year and he, uh, he carried on the Bissell tradition. I mean, yeah, then they, you know, you see full teams showing up. Yeah. So we had the full, uh, I forget that, which, maybe it was the Bissell team with the jock mains that yeah. was like 10 guys that came out. And that was the year that Andrew Talansky was racing for Cal giant Bingo. and beat him on joy. And they're like, who is this guy? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you can like name drop all day, this new age, you know, the jock mains, the Talansky's Levi, I think was probably the first person to tell me about it. Cause it's in his relative backyard. Right. Lawrence Tendam, uh, you know, Kate Courtney, and mountain have, bikers, you know, Jeff Kabush yep. and Barry Wicks have been coming totally. forever. And Spencer Paxson. I mean, there's no shortage of talent yeah. in that top end. And still, you know, first one of the year, old Kaz, you cap out at 600 people. So, you know, you get a full spectrum of riders, which is absolutely outstanding. The, the curiosity that I'm going to have, and I think the entire industry is, is going to start grappling with is at what point does does gravel which is meant to be fun and and you know the sense of community really heightened when does it become too racy um 
and how do you how do you really keep it fun because that's the the entire purpose for you starting this event you know yeah um i don't know well it's gonna have to come you know i think the mission of of the, the promoter, the person putting it on, what they want it to be. I think if someone wants to do a gravel event that's completely competitive, there's there's a place for that. Um, but it, to call it an adventure ride or something like that and have the whole focus of that seems a little bit, um, you know, out of place. Um, I do like that the grasshoppers and other events as well do a, a lot, you know, time it and give people the chance to be competitive, like yourself as well. Sure. There, you know, for me to travel and to do an event, I mean, I'm a competitive person, so I'm not traveling to, to Chico to do the Wildflower Century or there were 2,000 people at the Wine Country ride this weekend, 2,000, which nuts. is amazing. People doing fantastic things on the bike, but it's, there's not an overlap of people doing the grasshoppers. So in terms of the race and keeping it fun, um, and that's kind of up to the rider, rider as well, you know, I think... Um, I think we'll see some evolution in it, not so different than you did cross-country mountain bike racing for a while when it was huge, you know, and out of that, 20% became racers and that mm -hmm. other 80% did a couple races and just rode all the time, And but it got people into cycling. And so I, I'm kind of imagining sure. you know, you know, that happening. But I do see now there are people, successful road racers who don't like that and they want to have a career racing and bring sponsorship money to that. So I think that there's also going to be some changes in terms of some money going into that sport as well, because it's in the interest of the, the companies that are, are, are making, making the stuff. Yeah. And right. There's no shortage of reasons for these events, whether it's mixed terrain or the grand fondos or the mass start events to have so much success, you know, roads seem more and more dangerous. I think, you know, NICA, the high school mountain bike league, parents are stoked to send their kids into the woods, go play around. And yeah, gravel is just, it's it's grown out of uh sort of a stagnant state of road cycling domestically you know you jump over to, yeah. to europe and it seems to be booming bigger than ever i think i think it has to do with access too i mean take marin where you live mm -hmm. i mean how many miles of single track is legal ha uh <laughs> next to none right so uh people that are that they are bringing gravel to their community like in the midwest and in kansas without gravel i don't know that there would be a boom in cycling there right so now that people can really enjoy the roads because of the equipment they're on it's allowing more people to get into cycling and explore places where they already live on, sure. on low travel roads or or out of los angeles i fall was talking to the radivist folks and see the stuff that they're riding out of los angeles who would have considered la a destination place until you have mm -hmm. ability i mean we had mountain bikes previously but now to connect pavement and roads and so it's really an exciting exciting thing that uh um getting more people out uh yeah their bikes yeah i think Far too few, far too few people realize that the hashtag LA sucks for cycling is ironically throwing it in the face how good right. LA is for riding. Riding down there is awesome. Yeah. Um, one of the things, maybe this was a question that was coming later, but made me think of was that. Lay it on me. Um, so gravel is this like the meeting place. Like, so roadies get into it for a different reason than, than mountain bikers get into it, I think. Right. So both people end up doing it. And if you're a mountain biker going to the gravel, um, I think mountain bikers enjoy getting on drop bars and skinny tires. And then when they're really railing, mm -hmm. that sense of being on the edge, that extra challenge. Nowadays, we're on 2.3, 3.0 tires with sure. four inches of travel on a cross-country bike. It's like to get to that edge, you really got to push it. And you jump on the gravel and something competitive, like, you, you, you know, you're right on the edge quickly. Mm-hmm. 
So they, they, they see the, the traction to the gravel and the mountain bikers, for a lot of them, it's a new discovery of riding in a group. Totally. I mean, I have, you know, and learning to ride in the group, you see that at the grasshoppers and then you have the road people that are coming into gravel, um, that it's for a lot of people that are just road cyclists, it, it's, it's pushing their limits out of their comfort zone, riding those speeds when the road's moving out from underneath you dealing with the dust and thing flying and potholes. And so you have this kind of merger of these two groups, which I think some people, then they just become gravel cyclists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have people getting into bikes for the first time and their first bike is a gravel bike. I think I mentioned before someone at the hopper at Lake Sonoma bought their first mountain bike. Yeah, no kidding. And I was like, oh, yeah. I guess we have been around for a while. So, you know, <laughs> there's people discovering different sports. And, and, you know, road cycling's not dead. You know, it's roads are busy, but if yep. you could find... Roads that aren't ridden, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic experience. And correct me if I'm wrong, the second hopper of the year is Chileno? Chileno Valley, right, and that's all pavement. All pavement. Um, and we got, what, 250 people there, yeah. so that's a pretty big draw. So, again, explaining the grasshoppers, there are how many at, in 2018? We have six, and, six. And, and, they're all, and they're all quite different. So, totally. you know, Old Kaz is the first one, and it's muddy, and there's a creek crossing, and it's pavement and road, it's really difficult to say what bike to ride and the second one Chileno valley is all pavement uh sweetwater skags is has dirt in it but pretty much you want to be on your road bike mm-hmm. uh then lake sonoma's mountain bike absolutely 100 percent. skags is uh either all pavement or you want to be on a gravel bike for that and mm-hmm. then lastly king ridge is again it's a mixture in between road and and uh, and we're limited here that's why they call them adventure rides it's not like if you go we could talk more about like where you are in Vermont. I mean, we don't have endless, I can't put together an all gravel loop here. These are pieces right. of, right. of county roads or pieces of state roads that we can link together. And that's, that's what there is. That's because it's what we have where we live. Um, and other places are, are, you know, you know, different. Yeah. And you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't in that, uh, it, where we host the rides, where you host the rides, it's not terribly populated. So, you know, inevitably they are open roads and you will see traffic here and there. And some people seem stoked and they're waving when you go by just because they're so surprised to see bikes go by. And then, you know, you get some local folks who are far less excited. Uh, on the le- sort of legalese side, like, do you go through a lot of permitting? Are the, are the local towns pretty easy about it? Or, you know, how, how difficult is that? Well, it's mixed. Yeah, there is permits uh, and insurance, and there's things that I need um, to do. Um, certainly, there there are some issues having to deal with you know the way people ride and getting emails and getting phone calls, and that's probably the thing I like the least and worry about the most. So I take do as much as I can to make sure everyone's safe and riding well, and um, you know. But I think that over time, drivers overall are driving more safely and more respectful seeing how many cyclists they are and, and that we're you know for the most part riding well though um it's tricky as sonoma county's grown in marin county you get uh, events coming in and masses of people who maybe aren't from there and uh don't have the greatest etiquette and so as a driver they kind of all lump all cyclists together so i mean that that's a tricky thing and where we go and the times of days and the direction that's something i've put a lot of thought into though um it can never never be perfect once you're once you're out on the road right um yeah when i said i preface that damn if you do damn if you don't like you're gonna make a lot more people happy 
doing the ride than to piss off two drivers. But right, there is that exactly. You know, there is that. You and you you can't do something careless or put people in harm's way. And I I think people the helpers have a reputation and people. I really rely on them giving that story to people. And I always give that talk. Like if you can't see around that corner, mm-hmm. assume there's a car in sure. your lane because there will be one day. And yeah. a cyclist that you know what that means when you think about a corner that's going to be so sharp. And so uh, I think if, if people can, you know, have that, but you know, as more people travel to the hoppers, there's less, there's, there's more chance that people are kind of like, Oh yeah, whatever. And yeah. so there's, and it's, there's I mean, that. the hoppers still have a tremendous vibe. You know, you, you've done a great job of, you know, instilling an excitement at the beginning. And then afterwards it's, it encompasses exactly what I say, or instead of reaching for a recovery drink, like you have beer there and yes, you have other non-alcoholic beverages, but you got beer, you got pizza, you have nothing but a fun event. And I think that that transcends the entire event. So by and large, people aren't diving into corners blindly. It's like there is a great sense of community, which I don't know. It's sort of drying up uh, traditional road racing because I had a friend who we we talked about this a lot. Like, what's the direction of the sport of cycling going? And he he's seeing it as a perpetual chase for points on the roadside, whereas this is it's a chance to be fun for yourself and competitive for yourself. And and yeah, you got some buddies and bragging rights, but you know the. Overall, the vibe you've created here is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, it's always I've always said it's important for us to look look out for each other, and and I, and I mean that in and on the road and off the road. I mean, in twenty years, so now we've seen the kids were right, people were riding together with. We've seen them get married and have kids, kids up and grow away. People have gone through marriages. People's parents have passed away. It's like you come and you share stories of these things. Like it's a lot of time together, and so this group that you're riding with, you're connected to not just on the bike, but throughout mm-hmm. the years, you know, and, sure. and for me, um, that's what keeps me going because it's gotten to be a lot of work and a lot of stress, especially with all the complexities in my life. But when I show up and I see, hear people telling stories and to be part of that, it, it's worth it, um, mm-hmm. worth that every time. But yeah, number one, staying safe and, and, you know, sure. and realizing when you put on an event and it's in your backyard, you have to do it in a way that you're going to, you have a relationship Yep. there, you know, when we go through Casadero, I have kids in my school who live out there and parents live there and they work in the store and we got picked up when Xander in the ambulance, the guy in the ambulance was the dad of a daughter I had who had gone to me to Costa Rica. And so everything that we do, mm-hmm. it's conne- it's connected to each other. And I think that's the case everywhere you go. And sometimes we forget about that. We think somehow that there's there's the other, there's the people with the big, tr- anyway. Right. You know, well, so. yeah, they say fences build good neighbors and it turns out Building the grasshopper builds good neighbors and community <laughs> yeah, right. too. Um, oh man, what was I about to say? Z- uh, yeah, the Xander story was a little bit heartbreaking, bittersweet. Uh, we're what we're pre-riding. You invited a handful of people out to pre-ride one of the courses, and your fourteen-year-old son took a digger, and I was first on the scene to see him in a small sh- a, a shade of gray of shock. He was not psyched, but he's doing well now. Correct. He broke his collarbone. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Actually, I got invited to that ride, which was great. The group of Marin folks, I think Ray organized that. Um, I'm not kidding. Sent me a day. We're doing this. I invited up you with to Xander. your ride. <laughs> it was great. No, I love it. People come out and pre-ride them. It's part of their weekend and their lead up. Uh, yeah, Xander had a crash. He's all good. Good. He likes to Kids go bounce. downhill fast. And uh, oh my gosh, he torched by me. <laughs> it was nuts. Uh, yeah, he was chasing you, and I was chasing you, and then he went around me to go chase you, and I. 
he went by like a rocket. Yeah. Yeah. Cycling is one of those things, you know, when you have your kids, you go, oh, I hope I can do the thing I love with my kids. Sure. And then they start doing it and you say, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I put some questions out to the internet. And conveniently, one of the first people to reply was LTD, Lawrence Tendom. Really? Um, What's up, Lawrence? LTD asks if you are coming to his LTT gravel ride. Uh, it is on my calendar, Lawrence, and I certainly, I certainly hope to do it. My wife rolled her eyes. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> Lawrence and I, we rode it last year, 2017, maybe 16. Are you I, going, Ted? Uh, yeah. Tables have turned. I don't know if I'm going to make it either. Um, his ride is what? October? The something? September. Okay. September. Oh, I think his overlaps with Grinduro, which also overlaps with the Vermont 50, which is soon to be my backyard. So, and that's what I freaking love right now is there are so many of these events. Uh, you know, there's a magnet to, to connect them, to be there with them, to, to, you know, travel the world, to get these get these gravel events together which might be something we talk about in a second yeah i i'm i'm sure hoping i've never i've never been to germany so it would be an, a great adventure uh i think the netherlands and i believe it's in germany i could be completely wrong he's dutch that's all i know um yeah he did you see the article when he put it was an interview with ltd going into the season 2018 and he you know he's talking about his favorite rides in his career and he's he basically says I love with the grasshoppers and still like it was rad racing with my buddies and you know Levi was there that year and uh, Kabush was there and then we're just chilling with a beer afterwards and he went straight to Europe after that. Yeah, I saw well someone shared with me I think it was Cycling News where he talked about the five most influential races for him. There it is. He talked about winning the nationals and then there was the grasshopper. I said, "Holy shit." Yeah. He's... <laughs> and it was uh, I mean, <laughs> it it just show having fun is contagious you know sure. it was a coincidence that he happened to be here and now he's gonna you know start something in in europe which which i'm super excited about yeah that dude's a legend he's instilled van life while racing the pro tour <laughs> with two kids <laughs> yeah, right. um you mentioned the other day that you'd be surprised if you got 100 people um that was probably a thought you had in your first few years of hoppers and then uh i imagine i mean i think when i did my first in 2008 there were probably 50 or so on that particular day, which I look back at that event at uh, the Hall of Fame and you can see the evolution. You know, most of that um, event was a lot of slideshows and people are, you know, smaller events initially and now 600 at the current state of the maxed out old CAS. The question is, do you want to, what do you, what is your development? What do you want to have? Do you want to have every event maxed out? Do you want to do more events of the 200, 300 person range? Do you want to do something else entirely? Tell me about like the two day Mendo hopper, for example, what's the future yeah. of the grasshopper? Future of grasshopper. Good questions. Well, I want to keep providing, you know, what we are doing, which is an experience. You know, I, I want to instead of instead of coming to an event and putting on a race, it's like you're having an, an experience with your friends on the bike. So it's important to keep that at whatever size. I also want them to have them it be the interesting and hard enough that when people do them to say, I did the grasshopper, like there's not going to be a 20 mile grasshopper. Well, maybe a mountain bike one. <laughs> um, so it's important that they still have that sort of that not sort of, but they definitely have that sense where you're 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 being really challenged, both in all those things I mentioned, equipment choice, et cetera. Um, 
For me, in term, it's tricky now because there's so many events, right? So for the numbers to work, it's great if we can get 200 people, and but there's a lot going on these days. And so that's kind of up in the air. Um, I am looking at, there's a couple which you mentioned that are on the calendar. And what I'll probably do next, starting next year, is start to rotate the ones that are in the six race series mm -hmm. and drop one and, pull, and rotate another one in so we can keep that same series thing but keep some some those other ones that we've done in the past and some ones that i haven't done yet that mm -hmm. we can add um so for me bookending like old calves with king ridge i think king ridge is phenomenal that route and then we're starting in duncan's mills which is a great spot to be on the deck and hang out afterwards sure and the ones in the middle um um so not a lot of change to the format of that to just keep making it making it a good experience and as it you know gets bigger making sure that people are taken care of the mendo one is one i'm really excited about um i hope i get more people signed up i think they're crazy not to um that idea of of throw a plug in right now grasshopper adventure series yeah so august like 11th to, 11th to 12th so the idea for this is to do i mean there's two 75 80 mile days which are hard days but not you know horrible and uh, we'll bring your gear from Ukiah to Fort Bragg at McCarricker, beautiful spot right on the beach. Mm -hmm. And then you have a 75-mile day with about 45 miles of dirt, and you ride right in your campsite on the beach. And That's we'll incredible. have dinner, campfire, breakfast the next day. And then we have about 80 miles on the way back, and including about 15 miles of single track to start out with, riding along the big river, and you'll end up back in, in Ukiah. So it's still something that can be done uh, on a weekend. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and what is going to be uh, interesting about it is that, you know, people can't have their cars. People are kind of tied right. to that. But right. the fact that it makes everyone camp together when you have your car, each gets their little zone and their whatever. So we're going to just be right there next to the beach together. And uh, I'm super excited about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that it will be a challenge. I think cyclists can be uh, a tad fickle on at times. I mean, I have. I have a charity event, the King Challenge. It's in October in New England. And yeah, the weather can be awful. Uh, conveniently, we're now in year eight and we've had nothing but amazing weather. So that trend will continue for perpetuity. What's the date on that one? That is October 20th. Fantastic. Kingchallenge.org. Um, but what we find is, you know, people basically wait till the last minute and in one week to go, they're going to sign up. And sure, you have a greater chance of having good weather in, in Northern California on August 11th through 12th. However, I am very confident that if you build it, they will come. And I think it's, I think exactly what you said is super cool to, to, to put cyclists out of their comfort zone, to put them out of their element, which is exactly what these events are. Just, you know, in the same sense that like no one bike is the perfect bike. It's not a cross bike. It's not a road bike. It's not a mountain bike. Getting people out of their element and saying, Hey, you gotta, you gotta end up at this campsite you've never seen before. Like, that's part of the challenge and the fun and the yeah and on the webpage you can see the the video of you know, the 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 uh helicopter cam or whatever you call those things the drone flying sure. into there yep and both days finish i mean the sherwood road you have 25 miles yeah heading to the coast you know so both of them you're out there for me i'm really excited about doing some events north for the reasons you mentioned about the permits and cars and logistics it's 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 a challenge mm -hmm. um and in mendocino there's there's just fewer people and then october uh 14th, 15th, we're doing a, a two-day event, one day of riding up in the USOL on the Lost Coast. And uh, nice. that's to put that on the calendar. I don't have the details coming out, but that's working with a, a, a lumber company up there. And that's we'll be able to camp right on the beach in a really remote part of California. So that's that's going to be a fun adventure. That's super cool. Um, you'd mentioned the drone. 
which I believe you, you know, you, you put together a cool promo video uh, of the two-day Mendo Hopper event. And correct me if I'm wrong, you did that shoot with some of your students. Is that right? Yeah. So teaching high school and, and then, you know, working with the mountain bike team, um, for me, I enjoy teaching, but whenever I can help kids connect something else that they, that they love biking. In this case, these guys were mountain bikers, Spanish students, and then they were also into filmmaking. So, um, yeah, so I hired them. One of them flew the drone and then another one. Uh, so Cade Vanstone flew the drone and then Forrest Murnane, uh, did the videography and the editing huh? and they came with us for two days and they did a couple other videos and they're, you know, both doing that. So did a fantastic job with it. Yeah, no, it looked awesome. That's the, uh, in that Superman Clark Kent comparison, you're probably one of the cooler. I mean, I had a great Spanish teacher in high school, but I imagine you were even on the cooler side than Senora Smith. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe sometimes <laughs> depends on how much homework I'm giving them. We'll see. I, I certainly my goal as a teacher has always been better to be rested and happy than to be super prepared. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm prepared and professional. But I always believe in enjoying myself and beyond the weekends and coming in ready for whatever happens. So I'll, I'll, I'll take airing on that side. Sure. And this is high school Spanish? I teach high school, yeah. Well, puedo hablar español. Vamos a dar entrevista en español. ¿A qué hora quieres ir en la bici? Pronto. Okay. For you non-Spanish speakers, we're going to be wrapping up here shortly. Um, we did get another question from our friend Tony. Um, Tony is... Well, I don't know how to preface this. Tony's a friend of mine. Period. New sentence. Um, as a New Englander, we have poison ivy. California has poison oak. I know exactly what poison ivy looks like. Leaves of three, let it be. And so I avoid it well. Poison oak is something that's still something of a mystery to me in, in this sea of new uh, agriculture plants. Tony is a magnet for for poison oak and he will get it if he looks at it so a lot of these roots you know you do some some single track this past weekend around lake sonoma for example or you know you're in the woods you're diving in and out of corners from what i heard tony didn't quite make it to the single track this weekend well yeah tony forgot to turn right and so he did the road route on <laughs> the his mountain gravel bike, bike route yeah exactly. the mountain bike route. um the previous week however he was covered head to toe oh no um his question is what do you do to Ah, oh, cripes, I had to just read it. He said, what are your abatement techniques and recuperative techniques for poison oak? First, are you prone to it? Do you get it much? I don't get it much. Do you get it at all? Not enough to worry about it. Oh, man, okay. Uh, so this advice from me would be uh, scratching it a lot. Yeah, use a cheese and grater. And, and just then your rolling around on fresh cut grass. Uh-huh. And then going for a bike ride naked. Oh man, that sounds liberating. Oh, in 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 truth, uh, best to know what it looks like and to avoid it. There are people who are incredibly sen sensitive to that. I do understand that some people have great luck with Technu. That's the product that you you wash with it right uh, right after. And and when you're mountain biking, they make really light um, sleeves. You know, like arm warmers and knee stuff for sun. If I got it really bad, I'd probably wear those and long finger gloves, mountain biking, just just to avoid having that contact with my skin. Um, those are good tips. I, I've had it twice in my life. I think I describe it as like the size of a quarter once and maybe the size of a penny the other time. 
and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. Like I've broken bones. I've been in worlds of pain. I've lost square <laughs> feet of skin and having that was just agony. So after, uh, last week's hopper, I, I used my solar shower and I used about a gallon of tech new and so far oh, wow. so good. So tell me, what did you think of this, of the skags loop? I know I kind of talked to you that you did that and it's, it's kind of a, it's most people would not think of doing that loop. Yeah. What did you think? Um, let me get to that in a second. You know what would be rad? You must get hit up all the time before a race, before a particular hopper, because each one is so different about the technicalities. What tire should I run? Like even I asked you about it. What tire should I run? What gearing should I run? Yada, yada, yada. You need to have a grasshopper podcast where you're talking about this stuff a week before, and then your, your 600 uh, registrants can nerd out about it all they want. Oh, about equipment stuff. Yeah, you yeah. can buy the. I can. I can loan you a microphone. I kind of like not answering that question. And sure, let people, sure. Let people figure it out. You're rolling your eyes pretty good. You're like, we're not going to do that. Okay, Skags. Um, that was the first time I've done the Skags route. Um, I thought it was a good uh, uh, rip down memory lane because my first ever hopper we did West Dry Creek when we did geysers. So I liked the initial rollout. It was casual. We you know interacted with some of the wine country century folks uh and then in typical grasshopper format you go up something steep and it's abrupt and it and it separates the the pete stetnas from the rest of the entire peloton <laughs> <laughs> pete was on awesome form he and keeler right. on a tour of california yeah um yeah i loved it i mean it literally had everything you want from glorious pavement to ripped up pave to two river crossings i thought there was just one single track mountain biking uh on a gravel bike it was it was stunning and then as i look in anticipation of what two weeks from now when we got uh king ridge i've ridden king ridge 20 some odd times and as you point out no one ever rides it down so we're gonna go do king ridge down yeah so you've never ridden that direction no i think that's foolish but it sounds amazing <laughs> It's, it, it, you know, it's, it's funny. There's particular routes that you will always only ever do in one direction. And then this is, is throwing caution to the wind and going, I shouldn't say it that way. It's, it's the route that I would never have expected. I think it's awesome. That, that, that's one of the reasons, <laughs> that's the reasons why, why I do that. You know, my, I think it was Rod, there were several friends who had never done it that direction in, in 20 years. And now um, people go that way. I always say that to people, even, you know, mountain biking, you only have so many trails you can do. So I'll go out where we ride in West County and what's mm -hmm. normally down, I go up and it's a whole new ride. You didn't realize that there were descents that you're going to enjoy that were your climbs previously. And I think that's the case with, that you'll find with King Ridge. Sure. People do forget though, when you climb out of Hauser, it doesn't end at Tin Barn. People no, tend is. to think, oh, you climb Hauser to the intersection of Tin Barn, you're on King Ridge, and then you're there. Yeah. But it climbs significantly for a long time. And then the descent, yeah. the descends towards Casadero, which is your climb, uh -huh. is, oh my God, it's black diamond. I mean, you climb it through those potholes, barely cleaning it when you're going up and going down. It's, it's just a thrilling descent. So it's, it's good to like, it keeps it fresh. Like you just said, you've done it 20 times or for 20 years, and then you realize you've never taking that corner and speed downhill so sure you'll have fun oh it's gonna be a hoot i'm psyched <laughs> well this entire conversation came up because you invited me to go for a bike ride in your backyard um it's now mid-afternoon and we are interrupting a bike ride so i reckon we kid up and go see your your splendid sonoma backyard 
Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. We're going to go do some stuff that uh, you won't be able to see on Ted's Strava ride. <laughs> so uh, don't bother looking. Don't look it up. And uh, just remember, everyone's backyard, you've got secret trails to go ride and uh, keep, some of, keep some of them secret. <laughs> Amen. I hear that. I like that a lot. Meg, I appreciate it. This has been outstanding. Let's go ride bikes. Anytime. All right. Talk to you later. Peace.